Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Hey, great to be back with you here on Private Club Radio. I'm traveling around Europe as we speak, and it's good. At least I think it's going to be good because I'm recording this before I leave. <laughs> so I'm just putting it out there to the universe that this is going to be a good trip. Hopefully no broken bones. A few people have joked and told me to break a leg when I'm speaking at the European Conference on Club Management. And uh, I don't appreciate that. Not one bit. I'm just joking. Uh, thanks to everybody who's following the story. If you're not following on Instagram, join me. My screen name is just my last name, Aloisi, and I am posting on Instagram, my Instagram TV, uh, doing a vlog, a vlog, or whatever you want to call it, but basically videotaping the whole journey and sharing it with you so that you can come along on this crazy trip I'm on. Something like six planes, eight trains, four vans, two buses, one camel, and a lot of Ubers in between. I don't know how I'm going to make this whole schedule work, but uh, it's uh, it's a, a wild ride that I'm looking forward to because I love traveling, one of my passions in life. Well, enough about me. Let's talk about our guest today. We've got two really good ones. We're going to be speaking with Jason over at Golf Life Navigators. He's going to be on talking about the third quarter research that's come back. And we're going to be speaking with Hannah Eanes from the Professional Club Marketing Association, talking about some social media tips that were given during the national conference in Chicago, one of the sessions. Hannah took some great notes and is going to recap some of that for you folks who were not there in attendance. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll catch you on the flip side of these two interviews. Talk soon. Want to learn Gabe's secrets for social media success? He's sharing his best tips and little-known hacks to develop and close more membership prospects online. And best of all, it's 100% free for private club radio listeners. To join him on the next social media masterclass, sign up at privateclubradio.com social. My next guest is Jason Becker, Chief Executive Officer of Golf Life Navigators. If you haven't heard about Golf Life Navigators, I am very excited about this company because they help golfers choose the perfect community to take up their next residence. And in doing so, what Golf Life Navigators has done is they've gathered a wealth of information. And Jason is here to talk about his service and share some of those unique data points and info that they've gleaned along the way. Jason, welcome once again here to Private Club Radio. Thanks, Gabe. Happy to be here. Yeah. Well, your Q3 trends report has just hit, just about two weeks ago came out, uh, the buying trends report. So I'd love to discuss some of the interesting information that you are able to glean from talking to golfers all over the country. So first thing I, I that stuck out to me, is buyer motivations. And I know some really intriguing and probably unexpected information was gleaned from that question. So can you tell us a little bit about what golfers are looking for in their next property? When we built the pro guide, we thought that, you know, instead of asking just regular questions in terms of what are you interested in golf, uh, 36 holes, do you want to walk the course, uh, health and wellness, dining, et cetera, 
we would get a little bit deeper than that. So that way, when we had a, a significant sample size of consumers that have taken the pro guide, we could go to the industry and, and be on shows like yours to, to show what the trends are and what the future golf member is saying. And I think that this type of information is so key for any club that's uh, considering, you know, where to put their marketing dollars, what image do we want to portray, uh, what, uh, what items do we want to put capital into to enhance. Uh, so yeah, we've got a lot of really good information. Um, you know, in terms of motivation, that, that, those are the biggies. If we can figure out what is motivating a consumer to buy at any club uh, or any part of the country, then that can certainly help the clubs at the grassroots level, um, you know, market toward that. And so one of the things that we saw um, over the last quarter in terms of external motivation, which would be your physical things on the property, such as the golf or the tennis, uh, food, beverage, dining amenities, is that uh, 46% of people are saying that the social interactions with others and other members is the most important thing to them. And so if, if we know the one out of every two prospective members that are coming in to your club believe that, and in that, then let's certainly talk about the clubs within the club. Uh, maybe it's a, a, a group fitness program that the club has just put together. Things that are centered around, you know, social activities at the club. And, and that I think it's important that we keep in mind, too, these are golf enthusiasts, diehard golfers from the north. And so this is what they're telling us that would, you know, would be a, a huge a uh, piece of the puzzle of finding that perfect club. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's really important to to have a have a culture of welcome milk welcoming new members. Uh some clubs definitely do that better than others and some actually, you know, take proactive steps to engage the membership and membership committees and and folks in the club to to really take the new members under their wing. I think that that's so important. And yeah, I mean the data doesn't lie. Obviously that's something that folks are looking for. The one that popped out to me was landscaping. So I'd love for you to share with us why landscaping is so important or uh, what, what clubs should be focusing on in terms of their landscaping. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in the overall uh, looking at motivation across the board from external to internal, um, we found the beauty of landscaping is the number one thing for consumers as they look for their perfect club to join. And, uh, I think that's a really cool statement in that golf amenities is number three on that list. So you're, you're talking about, you know, the overall aesthetics of the club being more important to the decision process, even to a golf enthusiast. So our, um, our soapbox message is that, you know, if, if, if discussions have been at the board level about putting in a bridge at the front entrance or enhancing a, a, a great new fountain, near the clubhouse, something along those lines that's really aesthetically going to give the club an enhanced image, you're hitting on all cylinders in terms of what uh, consumers are looking for. And I think I think that they, the consumer, because they're so much more savvier than they were in terms of uh, finding exactly what they want for an investment, uh, that they know that the beauty of the landscaping of the club is directly going to affect their home value. And so... Things like that are starting to appear that we're able to show the club industry to just take a look at and consider. You know, if the future's saying this, well, let's uh, let's keep it on the front burner and make sure that we're at least talking about it during those capital enhancement meetings. 
as a branding guy, I love that because obviously that you can't, you can't get past the first impression that sticks with people. So, uh, oftentimes right. it's, it is that front gate or it's the signage or what do they first walk into when they see the clubhouse? What is it? What does the outside appearance look like? That's so important. You're right. Um, I know yeah. an, another data point that you guys found in, in your, in your sample here, which by the way is, uh, 77, hundred golfers or so uh, was the sample size for this particular report. Is that correct? Yeah. Average age 58. Um, and they have a 13 month transition time period. So these are folks that are really kind of in third gear of the process. They're, right. they're looking to, um, to, to transition at some point in the next, you know, one to two years. Yeah. So I know, um, the other one that kind of stuck out uh, for me, and which made sense thinking about it, is a lot of people are looking for a club for business purposes. Can you talk a little bit about that, Jason? Yeah, what we're finding is that uh, for the Sun Belt market, anyway, that uh, 59% of consumers are saying that, that that is not important to them, that they are not weighing that into the factors of whether they're going to join this club or the next. And yeah, it makes sense. You, you've worked your whole life, you're ready to retire or to have a seasonal uh, residence where you're trying to get away from it all up north, that the last thing you want to do necessarily is to, to be on the golf course to, to conduct business. So uh, pretty interesting one there, especially if a club is starting to market this idea that you can do business on the course, and it's not really going to move the needle in terms of what baby boomers are seeing coming into the Sunbelt markets. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess I must have read that stat wrong because I thought it was 59% were interested. So you're saying they're 59% are not interested. And I guess that does make sense too, thinking about it, because I know talking to my golf buddies and the guys I play with on a regular basis, there's not a whole lot of business talk happening <laughs> other than maybe the yeah. uh, side games we've got going. <laughs> sure. But really, yeah, it's think, a yeah, yeah. place to unwind, I guess. Yeah. yeah us, us Gen Xers, you know, we're definitely doing business out there because we're, you know, we're trying to build a career. But for the 59 year old that wants to slow down a little bit. Yeah. That's not a motivating factor for them um, at all when they're coming into the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. Now we've had some, some pretty awesome guests. Um, Annie Meta comes to mind from um, top golf and, and a few others, but uh, more and more courses are putting um, energy into the practice facility. And that correlates exactly with what you're finding as well. Can you talk a little bit about that, Jason? Yeah, when we get into the, the golf operation side of, of filtering and finding the right club for you, uh, practice facilities by far the number one thing that's most important to these folks. And so and, and to that note, it's 89%. So 89% of buyers coming into the marketplace say that the practice facility will be and play a role in the factor of if they're going to join that club or not. And so we can't stress that enough, not only for the membership director to, to make it uh, a tour over to the practice facility where the head golf professional might be present. Uh, but also from at the board level, that if we're going to be doing some capital enhancements that we should certainly put some money into the practice facility. Because if, if you're searching for golf members, uh, which is every club's ideal scenario, um, that's going to be an important amenity to the club by, by far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know my good friend, uh, Don Emery, over at Bay Hill, they just did a huge renovation to their driving range and chipping and putting and bunker facility. And it is so important. It's important for me, I think, in terms of, uh, or folks my age, in terms of practicing, you know, and I'm talking about like millennial Gen Xers even as well, mm -hmm. because 
you know, I don't have necessarily enough time to to go ahead and play 18, but I've definitely got time to practice. And if, if the practice facilities are nice, that's a huge uh, buying or selling point for me anyways. Sure. Yeah. I've seen a couple of clubs though, just up in Hilton head this past weekend. And there's clubs up there that have enough space on their driving range that they've actually put in a three hole loop, uh, just shorter holes. But again, to the time thing that if you're out there practicing, you might have an extra 15, 20 minutes and take that three hole loop and uh, get back to what you're doing. So that those are encouraging uh, progressive thinking, you know, that I'm seeing in the industry right now. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Now, um, anything else kind of stand out to you from the data this quarter that, that we should definitely mention to our listeners, Jason? Uh, I think that uh, one of the big things that I'm seeing is that uh, 39% of consumers that are coming into the marketplace are saying that they do not want to live in a gated golf community. And so you can take that one or two ways. You can say, wow, well, 61% do. But I'm kind of looking at it the other direction. And that, because I know how the clubs operate, I know that how important it is to have residents within the club who want to be golf members and utilize the, the golf course. Mm-hmm. And so with 39% saying that they might want to live on a beach or outside of a community, I'm really imploring the clubs to have the discussion about having a non-resident membership mm-hmm. and what that looks like to the overall culture of the club, because it's, it's a growing trend. Uh, it's an offering that um, if you have at the club level, it's certainly going to gain some traction. And so it, um, it would behoove everybody to just really take a look at that, what that will do to the culture. And if that's even possible at your facility, because it's for the consumer, um, it's a big deal. Uh, they might not join the club if there's no non-resident membership option available. Wow, that's fascinating. Why do you think that is? Why do you I th- think that what I'm seeing is that uh, you know, a lot of people either live up in a golf community in the north, and so this is a little bit different setting. You know, let's take campus. For instance, you might want to live in a high-rise um, near the water or near shopping and dining and not be in a gated community. Um you know, there's not a lot of rhyme or reasons to that we know of that why people are choosing one or the other other than just personal preference. They just would rather not, or they would rather live in a gated community. So, uh, but in terms of trends, we're seeing that number grow at each quarter. Uh, so it, it's something to take note of. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I wonder why. I mean, um, your your data is not just specific to Florida either, and in fact, you're you're sort of expanding. Um, your operations, which we're going to get into here momentarily, but um, yeah, that, that's 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 fascinating. I, I mean, I would think um, being behind the gate kind of offers some security, but I guess the the flip side is, you know, a lot of the HOAs are tough to deal with <laughs> inside of gates and things like that. That could be contributing to it. I don't know. That that that, that, that that's strange. The only other thing I think of Gabe is is just a, I guess, an opinion, if you will, of that the average age of the consumer at 58 coming into marketplaces like Naples or Palm beach, others, uh, you know, those average ages of the members who live in those communities are probably cresting 70. Mm-hmm. And so that could be a factor too, that, you know, we just, we're just too young for that yet. Yeah. Uh, we, we'd much rather be uh, near some, um, you know, other amenities outside of the club and just drive into, to utilize the club. That's true. That's true. I can definitely see that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I'm kind of a, I consider myself a metropolitan person. I like to go to go out to bars and clubs and things like that and maybe not be sure. feeling stuck behind a gate possibly. So that could be, yeah. Interesting. Right. Well, yeah. it's, it's always good to, to go through this type of data and, and see 
you know, where your club lines up with it. So I, I appreciate you taking us through that, Jason. Now there's, yeah. there's some exciting things happening with your company, Golf Life Navigators, and some new partnerships that you've announced here over the past couple of months. So let's start with um, your partnership. I think the, the big announcement that just was made was, was uh, with the golf channel. Tell us what's going on there, Jason. Yeah, we, uh, we started working with Jeff Foster and Will McIntosh back in January of last year on this idea of what it would look like for golf life navigators to work directly with, you know, the, the arguably one of the biggest, uh, golf organizations in the world at the golf channel. And the synergies were just so strong and we had the same ideals on what the future of the private club industry looks like and how this is going to be one of the biggest buying decisions a consumer will ever make um, is what club are they going to invest into and what home are they going to buy. And so for them to help us broadcast this tool for them to the world is, is, is game changing for us. So, so we, we believe in it together uh, and we work through a, a really good partnership where we'll be working for pretty closely with golfadvisor.com, which is, uh, is a travel and, and content related um, the platform the golf channel has to really give the consumer educated facts on, on different golf destinations. And we're going to add a healthy private side to that component. So the consumers are getting regular data and, and trends the analytics that are going on in the industry. So yeah, very, very excited for that partnership. We'll officially kick that off January 1st. And, uh, and yeah, you'll be, you'll be seeing golf life navigators hopefully on Sundays, uh, during the PGA tour event. Ah, very cool. That'll be, that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. And then I know the Mm -hmm. Buffalo agency is another partnership that you announced. Tell us about that one. Yeah. With that kind of exposure, uh, it's, it's important to us and to everybody in our, in our, camp that our brand is is um, exemplified the right way that, that the consumer knows exactly who we are uh, via PR and other editorial pieces that will occur. So, you know, Buffalo have been friends with the organization for a number of years now, and they wanted to be a part of this as well. And so, yeah, we, we partner with them to help us really position ourselves as a sophisticated group within the industry and to, uh, you know, um, at events that are around the, the country in 2019 to be able to go and share this data to the club ministry and to utilize their sphere of influence. So we couldn't be happier with both of those partnerships coming together. Very cool. Congratulations on those. And as Thank I, you. as I teased, you guys are going to be coming into some new areas, um, helping folks navigate the uh, golf and real estate landscape in some new parts of the country. Tell us about those, Jason. Yeah, we've, we've got all of the private clubs into our system from Palm Springs, California, all the way through Arizona, Texas, Georgia, and the Hilton Head in Florida. So uh, we'll be launching that at the beginning of the year as well. And so for those clubs that are in the Sunbelt markets, we're looking for just a, a different way to uh, get exposure to the marketplace where consumers are going to flock to. Uh, they'll have that opportunity. So it won't be limited anymore just to Florida or Arizona. We'll uh, be across the Sun Belt, so can't wait to to meet those clubs in these other markets and offer them the same opportunity that clubs in Florida uh, are have had the last couple of years. Let's talk about the opportunity. What is that, Jason? So basically, we want to create a platform that uh, a consumer could go to and get directly uh, matched to a club that fe- meets all their criteria. 
On the flip side, we wanted to create this platform so the clubs can get introduced to the right member for their club that could potentially be a, a long-term dues-paying loyal member. And so uh, we created the marketplace. Uh, the club simply uh, put their information in the algorithm and 24-7, 365, this thing works and they get matches regularly and they reach out and you can contact these people knowing that they're vetted, uh, that these are not tire kickers. These aren't people that are just looking for a free round of golf. So I think it's a, a big um, opportunity for the club industry to kind of take it to the next level. Now, I will say that we are, um, we do understand that private clubs want to have some sort of exclusive, exclusivity level and appreciate that. So that's why in our program that that club or your club would never be exposed to the general public, only to those that are matched to it. So for the club, the general manager, the, the board members who are a little sensitive to that, uh, they can rest assured that, you know, they're only going to get matched to the people that fit the right budget and the right criteria of that club. So it's a great way for a club to remain exclusive and still have access to the marketplace. And in terms of pricing, uh, we're working through a pricing uh, model right now, but it's a, it's a basically an annual subscription fee that the club pays one time and, and uh, enjoys the, uh, the prospects for the next year. Fantastic, Jason. I, I definitely recommend folks check out your website, which is golflifenavigators.com. Learn a little bit more about the organization and the really interesting things that Jason and his team are doing. Jason, thanks so much for, once again for joining us here on Private Club Radio. It was great to speak with you, man. Thanks, thanks Gabe. I appreciate it. And now it's time for your monthly membership insights brought to you by the Professional Club Marketing Association. Welcome to another edition of Membership Insights presented by the Professional Club Marketing Association. This month, I'm joined by Hannah Eanes. Hannah is going to recap some of the really exciting education that happened at their national conference in Chicago. I was there hobbling around on one leg, basically, but it, everybody else seemed to be having a lot of fun. So, Hannah, how are you today? I'm great, Gabe. Yeah, it feels good to be coming off of our 23rd annual membership and marketing conference. It's crazy um, oh you know, to think that we've already been doing this for, for that many years. And it was, of course, great to have you and your wife with us again. It's always fun to see your faces in our various cities. So thank you yeah. for, for making the effort to be with us. I know it was a little more challenging this year. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it'll, I'll be moving a little better next year. But uh, yeah, I had a ton of fun. <laughs> Chicago is a great town. I'd love to just get a few of the highlights uh, for you from conference. And I know there's one one panel in particular we're going to discuss, but what was the mood of the week and, and how did everything go up there? Yeah, you know, I think obviously one of the biggest things about conference is always the education. And I think one of the things that we're most proud of is the scope of opportunity that we are able to provide our conference attendees kind of through a mix of general keynote education through various case studies from clubs throughout the country, um, through various roundtable discussions. And um, those roundtable discussions offer breakout opportunities to kind of bring together like-minded clubs uh, to connect on various subjects. And then, of course, panel education. And so that's always a highlight when we're able to kind of successfully offer such a dynamic, you know, listing of opportunities through our agenda for our attendees to, to engage in. And then 
of course, we have the social aspect being membership and marketing and, and communication professionals. We always have to make sure we incorporate a little bit of fun. And so Chicago afforded us the opportunity to visit three beautiful properties. Um, we started our event off at, at Medina Country Club. We took almost 60 conference attendees out to Medina for a beautiful tour of all of their facilities. The club did a, a fantastic job. Um, Doug Ryan is their membership director. And he and his team treated us with great hospitality. Um, and it was so fun to see all the neat things that they're doing. Uh, and then we also got to visit Chicago Yacht Club for our opening reception. Um, we lucked out with beautiful weather. And so we got to, to enjoy those views. Um, and then we had our signature networking event at the Union League Club of Chicago. And they put together kind of a, a James Bond-inspired event for us. So there was no shortage of, of hospitality in the Windy City, that's for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I ran into Doug. He's a really great guy. And uh, just just everybody raved about the conference in general. They got a lot out of it this year and people really enjoyed the time. So the um, social media panel in particular was one we wanted to discuss here on the show. So first off, which which clubs were on your social media panel, Hannah? Yeah, so we decided, you know, when considering topics for panel education, social media stood out, you know, number one, because it's a topic that comes comes up over and over again in our feedback surveys. And number two, because the ideas, the best practices, some of the rules surrounding the possibilities and restrictions kind of continue to be controversial. And so we really wanted to identify a group of nonprofit clubs um, that are successfully applying social media. Um, And so we engaged with Fort Lauderdale Country Club, with Glencoe Golf and Country Club, and with Conway Farms Golf Club, and worked closely with the professionals um, within those organizations to put together a session on uh, how social media is being applied in 501c nonprofit clubs and how it's influencing market awareness. And we were really pleased with with how that session turned out. And I'm excited to share, you know, just a few things in the short time that we have together today um, that came from that session. Yeah. So I know you've got three big takeaways that we want to discuss. So why don't we start with number one? What was the, the first big lesson you got from the session, Hannah? Yeah, when outlining the session, you know, and working with these these professionals, one thing that stood out was how passionate they all were about the impact that social media is having on private clubs overall. And so we started out by asking each of the panelists just to share their personal viewpoints, their their own perspectives on how it's really being applied and how it's affecting our industry. And the perfect piece of advice was initially shared by um, Valerie Roca of Fort Lauderdale Country Club as we kicked off the session. And when sharing her thoughts, she said, social media is not a primary tool for lead generation in our industry. Instead, it's an engagement tool, a word of mouth tool generating a feel good effect. And the other panelists really supported and agreed with her statement, confirming, con- confirming that they too position the tool in a similar way. Really, the primary purpose is to communicate club culture, to paint a picture of the lifestyle that their club has to offer, and to share the great stories of all of the different things that are happening within their organization. It's, it's really not being positioned to solicit for membership or really anything else of that nature. So that was kind of a great way to kick off the session and, and really talk about the intention of, of social media and kind of how they approach the different um, outlets that they engage and the content that they then release through those outlets. 
All right. How about number two on your list, Hannah? What was the second big takeaway from that session? Yeah. Well, and additionally, uh, I guess something I should mention is that when reflecting on kind of social media in our industry, all the panels, all the panelists agreed that the various platforms that they are embarking on should be applied with careful intention. Of course, you know, you should always consult with your legal counsel and avoid posts featuring call to action. That's always recommended. Um, and then there should also be a strategy for guiding each communication outlet, primarily because the target audiences for each communication outlet are different. So to kind of recap that, you know, target audience consideration combined with an awareness approach to your content are kind of the two important things to be mindful of. So Natasha Sawatsky from Glencoe Golf and Country Club, she actually explained that she's found Instagram to be best for connecting her club with millennials, while boomers tend to be more engaged with Facebook. And then she's seen kind of a healthy mix of both engaging her club via Twitter. So I thought that was kind of interesting as, as an overall perspective as well. All right. Yeah. Interesting for sure. Um, how about number three on your list, Anna? One of the big things that we asked our panelists, because, you know, it's it's always kind of scary making that decision to move forward with applying social media or Maybe you have a small online presence and, and you're thinking you want to do something maybe a little bit more robust. And so we asked all the panelists, you know, what led to their clubs accepting and welcoming the implementation of social media? And Robin Martin of Conway Farms um, Golf Club, she kind of had a simple but profound re- reason for, for her club making the, de- the decision. And that was that the club felt it was necessary to have a voice in the conversations that were already taking place about the club online. They realized they wanted to and they needed to weigh in on the messaging and the content circulating about the organization. They've also found that social media has secured a strong line of communication with potential members that would have probably never been possible before. Robin confirmed that only 20% of the Conway Farm Golf Club Twitter followers are already members. So with each creative post that they put out, that offers them the opportunity to excite and to entice a large group of people who have already confirmed they have an interest in the club um, by choosing to follow. Those sound like some really good takeaways, Hannah. So sounds like people got a lot out of that session. And like I said, I know a lot of people talked about that session and many more that they enjoyed at this year's national conference. Now, if folks want to learn more about membership with the PCMA, how do they go about doing that, Hannah? Awesome. Thanks for asking that. We're always excited to welcome new members to the association. Uh, Most of the information about our benefits of membership can be found online, and our website is just www.askpcma.org forward slash join if you'd like to navigate directly there. Um, And there's various opportunities uh, that come to you as a member of the association. And I'll probably just share with you a little bit about my favorite, which is our online communication platform. It's it's so inspiring for me every day to see all of the professionals from across the country and in Canada asking each other questions, supporting each other through challenges and projects, sharing templates. Um, that is, is probably what I see as, as one of the needed things about association involvement. And so as you're taking a look at, at what 2019 might have to offer for you, I would definitely encourage you to consider association involvement and really the opportunity to um, enhance and grow your professional network of colleagues and peers that are excited to support your efforts 
so like I said, in the upcoming year. Absolutely. And if, if you, I will just put my two cents in there. If you're a membership director at a club or if you're a general manager listening to this show, make sure that your membership professional enrolls with the PCMA and, and joins this wonderful group because the amount of education, connection, and ideas that get shared in that association are really second to none. So thanks everyone for joining us here on this edition of Membership Insights, and we hope to catch you back next week. Hannah, thanks so much for ha- for uh, joining me today. Awesome, Gabe. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, we're going to call that a wrap on this episode. I will be back live next week, back in the country, doing the show from my studio once again, and I hope to see you there. Until then, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit concertgolfpartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process 